Dude, if you go to an office full of dudes, you can be so low maintenance. I know. Well, I already kind of am. Because, like, I got more important stuff to worry about than how my hair looks. That's right. Like, I got a million staff reports. So many staff reports. Welcome to Hello City, an educational podcast about issues in the built environment. Maybe you're an urban planner or work in a related profession. Maybe you've never heard the terms built environment or urban planner before. Either way, stick around and hear stories about why your city works the way it does from the people whose jobs it is to make it all go. But what is urban planning? Well, according to our good friend, Wikipedia... Urban planning is a technical and political process concerned with the development and design of land use and the built environment, including air, water, and the infrastructure passing into and out of urban areas such as transportation, communications, and distribution networks. So that sounds very complicated. Uh, The second sentence from Wikipedia is a little better. Urban planning deals with the physical layout of human settlements. So that, in a nutshell is the historic basis of urban planning, the physical layout of human settlements. However, I would say in the last 15 to 20 years, urban planners have been making more forays into different types of planning, not just the physical planning, but certainly the environmental planning. We've been involved with that for decades also economic development, and most recently issues of social justice. We are trying to take a more holistic look at the urban environment. You may have heard of city planning, which is sometimes used instead of urban planning. The official title of someone who does this job, though, is urban planner. Who am I? My name is Lisa Dunaway, and I am an urban planner and landscape architectural designer, have been for about 20 years. Almost a decade of that was spent teaching at the university level, but I have been a consultant throughout the 20 years or so, and that is my full-time job right now. I own my own firm called Sensible Ecology, based out of Muncie, Indiana, USA, and I am a certified planner with the American Institute of Certified Planners. So here are some of the terms you're going to need to know for this episode. The first is zoning. And from Investopedia.com, zoning refers to municipal or local government laws that dictate how real property can and cannot be used in certain areas. So this is very important for why your city is laid out the way it is, or even if you live out in a more rural area. A very common complaint that urban planners hear is, why can't I build what I want on my property? Well, to a large extent, you can, but because of zoning laws, that keeps undesirable land uses away from more desirable ones. So let's say we just let anybody build whatever they wanted, wherever they wanted it. That means that a landfill could go in next to you, or a confined animal feeding operation, or some sort of metal recycling that might pollute your groundwater, etc. Zoning helps protect land uses and keep things in a way that sort of makes sense, like next to like. And that is also known as Euclidean zoning, and you're probably familiar with that without even realizing it. That is a system of zoning whereby a town or community is divided into areas in which specific uses of land are permitted. And that is from definitionslegal.com. 
So that makes a lot of sense for your typical landowner because you would want single family houses near other single family houses, commercial adjacent to other commercial uses, industrial uses adjacent to industrial uses, and so on. The final definition that you'll need is right-of-way, and this is not the kind of right-of-way that has to do with driving. This is the legal right established by usage or grant to pass along a specific route through grounds or property belonging to another. That's from Google. And to make it a little bit general, it's more complicated than this, but basically it means that someone can use part of another person's property because they've been granted that right. So let's just think about your typical residential street. From the center line of the road, your municipality actually owns a certain amount of land on either side of that. And so maybe that first few feet of your yard from the curb towards your house is actually owned by the city, even though you mow your lawn or whatever. That gives them the right to locate public utilities there, maybe the sewer lines, um, maybe the power lines, whatever. Um, is owned by the government in your um, municipality, or maybe that gives them the right to widen the street. Maybe they want to put in a sidewalk. Typically, though, it's actually kind of rare for a city to just go in and take over the right-of-way without any sort of public feedback. Um, I know in the town that I live in, one time the city wanted to put a sidewalk in the right-of-way along a certain street, and the property owners got together and said, no, we don't want a sidewalk. So a sidewalk was never built. Um, even though the property owners don't technically own that space, most municipalities um, listen to their residents. So now that you know the main three terms that you might have been unfamiliar with, let's get into the episode. So welcome to our very first guest on the podcast. This is Patty. Say hello, Patty. Hello. Well, hello. Thank you for being the experimental first person on the podcast. It's so exciting. It's very exciting. So I have asked Patty to be on the podcast because she has an excellent story um, for us about a crazy situation with urban planning. And I'm not going to disclose her real name or what city she works in. I don't think it will come up in the story at all. Like, I don't think the city you're from has any bearing on the story, right? I don't think so. It's, okay. People are everywhere. <laughs> get the same experience people are everywhere hence urban planners have a job yeah fantastic all right so we're gonna let patty lay out sort of the situation first so kind of in general but really in planning you cannot build on what you do not own oh. and even if you build outside of the parameters of what you do own you have to ask permission it, it's kind of the most common sense stupid thing out there. However, <laughs> the number of calls I have to answer a day of citizens asking, can I build a fence into my neighbor's property because I don't <gasps> like mine? Or, you know, can I make my neighbor tear down this building because I think it is ugly? It's just like first grade level petty nonsense that people ask about. So would you say you get more than five calls a day? Stuff like that? I wouldn't say quite that many, but it's at least eight-ish a week. Okay, because if you'd have got more than five a day, I would have been really concerned. 
for your mental health. Eight a week still seems excessive. It's enough for me to take note of it and have to tell people like, well, did they build something that is industrial and residential or <laughs> did they put spikes coming out of their fence? What is so obnoxious <laughs> about this that you are calling in and saying, I need to do something on my neighbor's property that mm-hmm. I do not own. So, okay. You made, you brought up a good point already. If the person owns property that's residential, that's where their house is. And someone wants to build something industrial in that area, our odds are that they're not allowed to do that because of zoning law. If you would give people a little rundown on zoning law, that's sort of universal. Universally, in, especially in Euclidean zoning, you'll see that residential is permitted in residential. And maybe there's some businesses that you can run from your home, especially if they're small. Um, Typically, commercial is allowed for, you know, a range of commercial. You'll have lower intensity and then higher intensity so that you can buffer from something lighter to something heavier. And then the same with industrial. Some districts or some cities will have mixed Mm -hmm. use thrown in there, and some Mm -hmm. districts may even have overlays. That can be as simple as a flood district that will limit, you know, maybe some chemicals. (laughs) Maybe you're zoned commercially, but you're in a flood zone, so you have a limit on what hazardous chemicals you can store on site. Seems reasonable. Yeah. (laughs) Or maybe you'll have something even crazier in an overlay that can just be a wild card, but typically it's, it's pretty simple. It's pretty common sense. If you're residential, you're residential. Right, and you're probably a specific type of residential, like you're all single family homes. Typically, yes. Um, Where I work actually does have an interesting, it has one district that um, does allow for multiple types of dwelling units in one district. So you can go from single family to duplex, triplex, fourplex, all the way up to an apartment building. As long as you have the space for it, you can build it. So I will say that is pretty interesting because it does allow for a wide variety of infill yeah that's super cool I don't yeah I guess in a in in bigger cities the odds are higher that you're going to find zoning like that but for typical cities it's going to be pretty straightforward like all the single family homes go together all the multifamily buildings go together blah 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 yeah so when I worked in a smaller town it was definitely more rigid Mm. Um, and it's not that that is bad it's just different and that's what worked for the smaller town because they didn't have the economy to need or support that different type of district Mm. so sometimes you'll find districts that are very specific to what your market you know needs sure yeah and hopefully you have planners that work for your local municipality that are willing to evolve and change over time. Hopefully you will. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So go, go ahead with what, what else you were going to teach us now that you've laid out zoning for us. So my um, favorite, and I say that sarcastically part of planning (laughs) is the customer service aspect of it. So you think that 
maybe work customer service like I did and, you know, throughout college. And <laughs> you think you graduate, you go to planning and you're done with that to some extent. Um, but being a true planner and dealing with land use cases and not even public meetings, but specifically interpreting the ordinance and helping people understand what applies to their lot, it is truly customer service. And you see all types of people and they can have all sorts of reactions. And if you don't have the skills to adequately talk someone down or speak to them in a way that they will understand, which is typically that keeping with that third grade knowledge level, mm -hmm. um, then you will not be a successful planner. You, that is something that um, they don't teach in school, but it's really something you need to learn and work on. And essentially when you an angry customer comes in, um, maybe they've been dealing with permits and they have a violation or they got tagged for you know, having those spikes off their fence that their neighbor <laughs> called in for, something like that. <laughs> you have to tell them that, yes, this is your property. Yes, you pay taxes. No, we have nothing to do with taxes. But I can tell you what you can and can't do. Um, and you just learning how to talk them down and doing so calmly and not getting angry at the fact that they're just coming in and essentially yelling at you. Mm. Yeah. I don't really know how to teach that skill, but it is something you should learn. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think a lot of uh, places you kind of just get thrown into the deep end and you figure it out. That kind of, in my experience, that's how it is. Yeah which is where my story comes in and how it ultimately ended in a restraining order from an angry customer because I mm. did not adequately diffuse the situation, or I could not. Some people are just going to be angry to be angry. Mm -hmm. um, but as somebody who is a servant to the public, that can happen. <laughs> um, this particular person came in angry because they had a violation. They built something without a permit over the public right-of-way. Again, this goes back to don't build on property you don't own. <laughs> um, and also maybe get a permit before you build. Mm, yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's a good rule of thumb, just to check. <laughs> but, <laughs> but he had, he was cited, he got a violation, and instead of trying to correct it he just sat on it for months so fines racked up court was about to come in um, finally he came in to apply for a variance which because it was over the right-of-way we of course as a staff wanted to recommend denial because <clears throat> it ultimately was a safety hazard and this gentleman got so angry about ultimately getting denied by the Board of Zoning Appeals that he decided, and then of course having fines on top of that, um, he has decided that he was going to take it out on me and found my personal email, my personal phone number, and um, all my social media eventually sent me emails saying I'm going to take something you love Ugh. from you. It, yeah. Um, so again, sometimes just 
learning to handle the craziness that people can uh, bring into your life. Yeah. It's just a skill you should work on again. Well, and when somebody has, you know, their own issues, it's not, there's not anything that you could have done in that situation. I don't think that you could de-escalate somebody who is that angry, you know, and I don't think you blame yourself at all, which is good and healthy. Yeah, in this particular situation, I don't think there was anything I could have done, but still knowing how to react to something that extreme, um, right. I mean, I didn't at the time, because, you know, you don't expect that to happen. No. But then once it did, I learned from so many other planners that I was around that it, it had happened to them. Um, huh. So I wasn't the only one who had gone through that. And, you know, everyone was just saying, well, in the future, you can try and be more empathetic when you speak to people. But in this situation, there is nothing you could do. So, yes, try to, you know, de-escalate when you can, but also be prepared for when or if something crazier happens. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, part of the reason I say that is because I already know the story and I know that he also harassed your boss. So... It wasn't even a situation where it, you could sort of pass the buck to an older person with more authority or something and be like, well, I, this is all I can do for you. If you want to talk to my supervisor, you can, because <laughs> he ended up being crazy to her, too. Yeah, it, this person was just crazy all around. Right. So this person had built an extension of his home into the public right away, correct? Correct, like over the sidewalk, not even a grassy area of the public right of way. Wow, and was blocking the sidewalk? It wasn't quite blocking it. So it was a a deck, Um, the, the posts were on his property line, the deck extended over the sidewalk and it was head level, so you could walk right into it in the winter if you slipped you could slide right into the post um oh my gosh jen just thought that was okay i mean i would i don't know i would i would suspect the average person knows that you need a permit to build things but some people don't okay that's fine you give them a chance to make it right and this guy even ignored that chance he did not, um, he was not interested in working with staff. We had drawn up plans to show him where he could potentially relocate his deck, but by that point he had already started to harass and threaten and there was no going down any sort of road. Um, Mm. And again, it kind of goes back to the common sense. Maybe that's the theme of the episode, common sense planning tips. (laughs) Yeah. Get, always make sure and check if you need a permit and don't build on property that's not yours. Right. And permits typically aren't very expensive, right? I don't think so. Um, I know they can't be because that would just dissuade people from doing anything ever. So ultimately, did this person remove their illegal deck? I am not sure. So the case was ultimately passed on to something to someone else because my uh, restraining order was granted. <laughs> and Yay. I 
um, was able to use that as my proof to my supervisor that I was no longer going to be handling this case. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was passed on to someone else and I did not deal with it anymore. Um, if Good. he didn't take it down, he is still getting fined. <laughs> and do you know who levies the fines against people? I think it would be a code yeah. enforcement arm of the city. Ultimately, if they're not paid, that's when court will come in, though. Oh, you can get arrested, right? Yeah, you'll get a legal suit filed against you. Yeah, I think that's where it goes next, though. Well, I'm glad that you won in the end. (laughs) And I hope that the unsafe structure was removed from that property because I'm terrified that people are smacking into that post. Or think of like the icicles in the winter. Like you would just walk right into them because they're falling off the side of the deck. Just hitting your head. I mean, I would hope people would pay attention and not do that, but. Right. So moral of the story is go get a permit. They're not that expensive. If you've already built an illegal structure, your planning office might be nice enough to draw you a plan and show you how you could do it. That would make it safe and legal. Um, But any place I've ever heard of tries to help people make it right. Like they don't kick people while they're down. Typically you have to be a real asshole and like this guy let fines rack up or treat staff very inappropriately for them to go to the point where they take you to court. And if you're a planner, just expect the craziest. How I used to explain it when I would teach would be that, uh, imagine you're explaining it to your grandma. You know, the odds are most people's grandmas were not urban planners. (laughs) So if you have to explain this very foreign concept to someone in a non-condescending, non-patronizing way, how are you gonna do that? That is perfect. And then you, yeah, you go from there. I always imagine my granny, yeah. But yeah, laughing at people is the worst. It's not a good idea. Yeah, I had a hotel clerk laugh at me in Germany on the phone when I called to complain. There were children running up and down the hallway, the floor above us, and she laughed at me and said, there's no one staying on that floor. And I was like, that doesn't mean there can't be people up there running around because like six other people that we were with heard it too and it texted me and they were like, is somebody gonna complain to the, you know, the hotel front desk? And I was like, okay, I will. And she laughed at me on the phone and I was so pissed about that, I almost left a, like a bad review on Google. <laughs> so don't laugh at people on the phone. <laughs> Tangent. Well, cool. Any other words of wisdom that you would like the listeners to know? Fences are always going to be another one of those common sense crazy issues. So be prepared to explain how often, Mm. um, I guess not explain how often, but explain often how and where fences can go. Um, And I say how because some people want an electric fence uh, where <gasps> it is not appropriate. No. Yeah. Um, and sometimes oh, no. it does help to reach out to the contractors who typically, you know, build these things. Um, and they can be your worst enemy or they can be your best friend. So make them your best friend. <laughs>
Good, good um, thing you've brought up there too. When you are, actually two things. One is when you want to build your fence, you need to know where your property line is. And the planning office cannot help you with that. Your local GIS office cannot help you with that. Your building department might not be able, probably in a lot of places, cannot help you with that. There are a lot of misnomers in what uh, you know, municipal governments call themselves. Um, the county surveyor probably cannot help you with that. You have to actually hire a licensed surveyor to stake your property. They will actually go out and do the things with their measuring tools and put little stakes anytime there's a bend in your property line. And that allows then the contractor to come in and build your fence. But before you even do that, prob you probably have to call your local holy moly. That's what we call it in Indiana. Um, different states call it different things, but it's an adorable little logo of a little mole wearing sunglasses and a hard hat. And you call the number and all of the utilities have, it doesn't, there's a, there's a range, but let's say 72 hours to come out and they will mark on your property, like where the water line is, they'll put little blue flags. And that way, you know, you're not digging fence posts and sticking stuff down and potentially intersecting public utilities. I'm glad you brought that up because that is such, that is also a very good thing to know. <laughs> kind of goes with, again, don't build on property you don't own, which can mm. happen if you try to guess where your property lines are, are from a map that you've gotten from GIS, which mm -hmm. can get close to great and is a wonderful tool, but it will never be perfect. Nope. Um, yeah, so definitely get a surveyor if you want to build a fence and don't cut off your electricity. So don't, yeah, don't stick do that. with the holy moly. The holy moly. Yeah. Yes. It's very helpful. <laughs> Awesome. Any other final words of wisdom for us? I think I'm wisdomed out for now. Yeah, that's a lot of wisdom for our, for our first episode. I appreciate it. I think we've laid the groundwork for a lot of things that will probably follow in future episodes. I and anytime so. you have a new crazy story, you're welcome to come back and be our guest again. Oh, you'll be the first to know. Oh, <laughs> yay. I'm so special. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. Yeah, anytime. And one more big thank you to Patty for being our first guest. Patty is an urban planner in a mid-sized city metropolitan planning department. And I appreciate that she was willing to be the first guest on this podcast. Hopefully one of many more. This podcast is intended to be educational, but hopefully also entertaining in order to let the public know issues about the built environment and in particular urban planning. Although my goal is to eventually have all sorts of different professionals that deal with issues of urban planning, landscape architecture, architecture, civil engineering, etc. So thank you everyone for joining me today. I hope that you have learned a little bit and that this will sort of set the stage for future lessons to come in future episodes. If you have an idea for the podcast 
or if you are an urban planner or other professional who deals with the built environment and you have a story you would like to share on the podcast, please hit me up at hellocitypodcast at gmail.com and I would love to hear from you. Thank you all for listening and have a great day. This is a podcast that is educational. Can you hear my cat sneezing in the background?